What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 12 of the Deep Ball Diamond Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Chris Brox. And Brox, I mean, we take a week off, man, and the topics are piling on. You ready to get into this? Dude, it's trade deadline season. Let's get it going. Yeah, trade deadline season. It's already getting a little hot. We, we'll get to a couple of trades that have already went down. And, of course, our predictions for what's going to go down uh, this next coming week is the trade deadline ends Friday, July 30th at 4 p.m. But you know what, Brox? Let's keep it local. Let's keep it in the Big Apple. Let's kind of recap our teams. You know what I mean? Because I, they're kind of in the center of the baseball world this past week. And I'll start with you first. I mean, this is almost like a week ago now. The Mets lose their arguably, I mean, going into the year, they're two best players, but definitely their best player in Jacob deGrom. And they lose kind of who's maybe like been their leader, I guess, this year, I think from a clubhouse standpoint too, maybe disappointing at the plate and stuff like that. But Francisco Lindor, definitely a big piece of their team. For, so for those two guys to go down, I mean, those are two tough hits on the Mets roster. Oh, yeah, no, definitely tough. I mean, DeGrom has gone down a few times this year, and this one seems a little more serious. But And also, I mean, Lindor, too. Lindor um, has been out since, like, right the, the game that came back from the All-Star break, he got hurt. Same thing with DeGrom because he, uh, he had, like, forearm soreness, I think. And it, it's been tough for them, but that's that's the story of the Mets season, man. Next guy up, they've been pretty resilient. Um, I'm hearing DeGrom could be back within like a week or two. Lindor is a little more far-fetched, but um, for the Mets have not stopped playing, I guess, decent baseball. I'm not saying they're playing good baseball, but winning their past two series against the Blue Jays and the Reds, um, they're still hanging on to their first place lead in the NL East. Yeah, for sure. And it's kind of like you said, it's the story of the Mets season this year. They just haven't all been healthy. I think you were saying to me, like last Friday was the first time that they had really their like, best lineup out there like their a-team lineup and it yeah. lasted what five innings five innings it lasted it sucks man but that's baseball at the end of the day you got a 26-man roster and on top of those guys you know that's going to be constantly switching parts in and out interesting to see if the Mets wheel and deal we'll get to something they already did in a little bit but you mentioned how the Mets it just seems like they keep winning um and they, they've played some of the craziest games ever I mean Last week with Pittsburgh, that was insane. Obviously, Diaz blows that save on Saturday. And then Sunday, they give like six runs in the first inning. One of the craziest plays I've seen in a, in a while now with Taiwan Walker. And But it doesn't matter. They come back. Because what's that guy's name? Travis? Blankenhorn. Blankenhorn. Absolute yeah. unit. Brings him back in the game and stuff like that. And then Conforto gets hot as well. He goes um deep late in that game. And then Cincinnati... Another game, it's like the game, I think it was, maybe it was the Monday. The next the, day. The, the Yankees, yeah, because the Yankees didn't play. It's like they were playing, they played like a six-hour game, man. It's unbelievable. Uh, Anthony Banda got the win, I believe, in that game. Like, yes, Banda got so, the win. It's unbelievable who the Mets have put in. And they've honestly, I'm, I'm not going to say that they're still, I mean, they're still in first place. You got to tip your cap to the Mets. They are a resilient bunch this year. And now this past week recently, especially this past – I mean, Pete Alonso's caught absolute fire. Five home runs in his last six games are really – um the Derby's paying off for him. So that's a good thing for Alonzo. And like I said, when these guys are going down, they need somebody to step up. And Pete, definitely that guy, as, as well as Conforto, I know. But definitely I know Pete. Uh, that was a big topic. You're always afraid when a guy goes into the home run derby that maybe he uh, messes up his swing for the second half. But it doesn't look like that for Alonzo. No, definitely not. Pete's been uh... – a He's been on fire recently. It's been kind of weird because, like, the story of the Mets season started with the pitching was on fire and the hitting just wasn't there and they were surviving. And now 
it's starting to turn where the offense is really catching fire and the pitching has slowed down a little bit, even though like we had a great start by Stroman um, on Wednesday against the Reds. Friday night, Tyler McGill threw six solid innings against the very talented Blue Jays. He got, what, I think, one hit in six innings. So, I mean, it's all, I guess, coming together together sort of for the Mets. Um, their hitting is is where it really should be with their lineup, even though it's not at full strength. But um, we have to see what happens with their pitching. They really want to win this division at least. Um, they got to get some guys back who are – get some healthy guys back. I mean, I heard Carrasco should be back soon. Hopefully the Grom, hopefully they can trade for someone. But um, we'll see if they can get everything going at once for the first time the whole year. For sure. It would definitely be an exciting team down the stretch if they can get healthy. You mentioned bringing in some guys. They did already bring in a veteran left-hander and Rich Hill from the Tampa Bay Rays. I thought it was a little bit of an awkward trade, maybe from the Rays standpoint, but I, I've stopped questioning the Rays. Like, as much as I could be like, oh, this makes no sense for them, somehow this made sense for them. But uh, Hill, I saw like in all of the, it's like RPMs are way down. He hasn't really pitched well since like the like foreign substance uh, breakdown in the MLB. But listen, a guy who's just going to give you innings, he's going to throw 86 miles an hour with a 68 mile an hour curveball. And he's a professional pitcher that will get you outs. And right now, that's exactly what the Mets need. I don't really think we could say that the Mets, the Mets don't need a frontline starter. You have DeGrom, you have Stroman, you have Walker, and that's not even counting Syndergaard and Carrasco whatever you get from them. But they needed a guy right now who can come in and eat innings. And I think Rich Hill honestly does the job for them. I think that they could potentially be in the market maybe for an arm, but more more so maybe a bat again to reinforce that order. But I think Rich Hill was a, was a good move for the Mets, a necessary move. Oh, yeah, 100%. They need, like, they had um, on Friday. Well, actually, no, on Wednesday, the day before they got Hill. Um, Stop. There was, that's when no the day before actually stock got hurt mm-hmm. um but on Wednesday I was looking at the their their sorry their probable pitchers for the next few days and it was um Miguel on Friday Walker Saturday and then they had three straight games of just to be determined they had absolutely mm-hmm. no pitching depth right now everyone's hurt so getting Hillman I just liked it for the depth move I mean today he pitched five solid against a good Blue Jays team I mean he got three earned runs against them but he didn't actually give up no they didn't get a hit off him, I guess, uh, driving those runs today. But they, they needed that bad. I mean, I think they should still pick up another arm um, just for health-wise and performance-wise. You don't know we're going to get out of Rich Hill. He's 41 years old. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I'm satisfied with the move for D-Mountain. <laughs> and listen, they'll be, they'll be in play this week. I uh, just actually got something real quick. I'm saying that they might not go after a top arm. I mean, it, apparently they're in on Scherzer. They're interested in him. I don't know how that's going to go down with uh, division. I honestly think the Nationals will swap. Like, they won't watch him called. They won't trade in division. I, I honestly highly no. doubt that. But no way. the Mets would probably have to overpay for it. But I, even then, I don't think so. You mentioned kind of the Mets having a lot of to-be-determined at their starting rotation. A team, another team actually also in New York that's had a lot of uncertainty as well. Are the New York Yankees, I mean, this is almost a week, uh, over a week old now, the Yankees' COVID outbreak, and they had their game last Thursday canceled uh, because Aaron Judge tested positive, Kyle Gashioka, and then in the bullpen you had Nestor Cortez, Wandy Peralta, Johnny, Johnny Luizica, and it's kind of, again, the Yankees' season. They got these young kids coming up from AAA, and within the past week, it's just been so, a lot of inconsistency and a lot of ups and downs. Like, they have that great game on Wednesday night against the Phillies that come from behind win, even going before that last weekend, they sneak out two out of three against Boston, which were much needed games. But then like this weekend, I mean, a microcosm of the Yankees season, you go 
Thursday night, you blow a lead in the ninth inning up 3-1, two outs. And then Brooks Krisky with one of the worst performances of all time. No doubt about it. I've said since last year, I saw Krisky pitch. Listen, I don't like to hate on a guy, but Krisky's just like, he's not an MLB caliber pitcher. With the Yankees 40-man roster crunch, I don't know why he was still on the 40-man roster, especially when you, and it's even more painful when you see guys like Garrett Whitlock on the Red Sox who are plunked or plucked, excuse me, from the Yankee system because they didn't protect him on the 40-man. But we were, we were protecting Brooks Krisky. Like, Brooks Krisky just didn't cut it, but he shouldn't really be there. You know what I mean? It, it sucks. But then today, uh, this is Sunday night that we're recording, to blow a 4 nothing lead in the eighth inning after Domingo Hermanto's seven no-hit inning. I think the worst part about it is once uh, – who got who got the basic? Christian Vasquez was the first guy mm. to get the first RBI. No, excuse me. Yeah, no, it was Hunter Renfro, excuse me. Hunter Renfro gets the first RBI with a line drive to left field to make it 4-1. And at that point, I'm like, well, we're in trouble. I, I honestly, at that point, you could have told me that the game was done. You just, it's unbelievable how this team, in the last three weeks, it seems like they have had five different losses that I've went, that's the worst loss of the year. But this one, I, I know I said this after everyone, but this one, if you ask me, was the worst by far because it was a division rival. You could have walked out of a weekend that you didn't play great baseball split with the Red Sox, getting Judge back, and you could have turned the page. But to to lose today, I don't want to – like I said, I don't like to talk really bad about my team, but I think today might have been a dagger in a sense of that the Yankees' division hopes maybe just uh, have to look ahead for 2022 and maybe they should just play for the wild card this year. Yeah, no, I mean, I've I've seen like the past few weeks that you keep saying like the worst loss of the year. Today had to be it just because it was in division. Obviously, it's the Red Sox. I mean, it didn't matter if it was the Red Sox or the – or the Rays. It was in division. That's a divisional game. You got to take that. You get that extra half game on on a team that's in front of you. Um, it was tough, man. I mean, you get a great performance out of a guy, Herman, who just has not been that good this year. And I don't know what to say, Peo. I mean, I'm not a Yankees fan, but it's, it's, it's weird watching them like week after week just having these tough games, especially when like it was like also the Astros game. Those games, man, you win those like you're feeling decent, you know, not feeling great, but you know, you're feeling okay. Like you're, you're still swimming, but this one, man, was just tough to see. Um, I don't know. I think the Yankees, as you said earlier today, um, they may make a panic move this week, which I think they should because they're still in the wild card race. Their, their season's not over. Um, and I think that should go through their clubhouse too. Like a, a guy like Aaron Judge is their leader. He should definitely just relay the message saying like, Hey guys, like it's not over. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, uh, Hopefully Aaron Boone also sticks up for his team, man. Boone's been, I mean, you know, I don't want to blame coaches, but it's been like an odd year from Boone from like um, what he says after games. Like, I think it was, was it the Angels game when he says like how his guys battled today? Like, you can't say that. You got to be like, we got to be better. He, his team has to be better. So you got to put on Boone and the rest of the team and just to, to wake up. Yeah, for sure. Somebody's got to step up in that locker room. I think that's one thing. A guy who's really came – I've done a complete 180 on is Odor. Odor, I did not like it all in the beginning of the season. But he, he he brings a different style to the Yankees. He brings that intensity. And honestly, he's been starting to hit since – I saw a stat that since June 8th, Rugnet Odor is fifth in the league – fifth in the American League in slugging percentage. Out of the second base spot, too, it's a, it's a pretty solid job from Odor over the yeah. past month and a half, it seems like. But, yeah, you mentioned Boone. Honestly – I'm not really as uh, as much of a Boone critic. I think Boone gets slandered way too much. Like the other day, people are like, oh, Luis Sessa only threw five pitches in the eighth inning. Why don't you bring him into the ninth? No, like that is the most illogical argument. You have your Chad Green is one of your best relievers. He's 
you're setting closer on a day that Chapman's not available. So obviously you're going to him with a two-run lead. You're not going to Sessa. I love Luis Sessa. I don't care how easy that inning was. You got to the position, you go out with your best gun, and he didn't have it today. That's what I think made today, too, so painful is that you had Loisega. Like, Loisega's been their best reliever by far. I still trust him the most. Just didn't have his stuff today. It stinks. Maybe, I think maybe later in the game today, he should have walked Bogarts and set up a double play, maybe have the infield in. That I think you can question. But some of Boone's moves, I think every time something goes wrong with the Yankees, they're always just looking at Boone, Boone, Boone. But sometimes, man, it's on the players. Today, like Loisega, you come and he gives up four hits. Now you can, like, he just didn't perform, and it stinks. Jonathan Loisega, he's become one of my favorite Yankees this year. He's become one of the most trustworthy Yankees, but he just didn't have it. And it's, it's like every single time the Yankees, like, they all just can't put it together at the same time. It's like the bullpen carried the Yankees in the first month, month and a half. They were so good. They kept the Yankees in so many games. And now when, like, you're getting – all weekend, you got good starts out of the starting rotation. Like, the, the lineup's trying to do the bare minimum of what they have. I mean, half of their lineup is a triple-A lineup. But now the bullpen, you could say maybe they're a little tired and taxed, but they have not been good over the past three weeks. Probably been the worst bullpen, honestly, like, in my lifetime. Like, obviously, I saw Mo for half my life. Then you had – Rafael Soriano was good for a couple years there. David Robertson, Dylan Batanzas, and obviously Chapman recently. Chad Green's obviously stepped up. So, yeah, hopefully the Yankees figure it out. I do think we'll get into that later about them possibly making a panic move because I don't I don't necessarily know, like, if the Yankees should go get Trevor Story. I don't think Trevor Story is the right get. I don't think he's what the Yankees need, as crazy as that sounds. I even don't think Joey Gallo in that sense. I think Gallo would be a better move than Story. But I just think the Yankees need more of this, like, per, like run, like run producers in a sense compared to like the home run hitters. Because I've I've honestly loved kind of watching the Yankees play in the past week about how they're generating runs. They're stealing bases. Even Glaber Torres is stealing like five, stolen five bases in the last twelve days. Greg Allen's coming up and providing energy in that, and it just kind of shows you like we can win in different ways. We don't have to hit the home run every single time. So I would love them to get. I know Starling Marte is a right-handed hitter, and maybe you're too right-hand dominant, but I think like a guy like Marte, I thought Adam Frazier too, the position fit would have been a little weird, but I think like the Yankees need more like table setters and type of guy like that. That maybe just brings something different to that order. Yeah. I think the whole picture for the Yankees, like I feel like them and the Mets are in the same situation this year, obviously different divisions, you know, like I know the NLEs is not that great. You know what? It happens some years, you know, you got the Braves, Nationals, Phillies, the same as the Marlins have good years this year. Just not that year, whatever. I think the Mets and Yankees are going through that. They have one part of their team that's doing well. Like the first half of the year for both teams, I would say, was pitching was was their strong point. And right now, I mean, the Mets pitching is kind of slowing down and their offense is picking up. Right now, the Yankees' bullpen slowing down, but their starters pitching up, picking it up. I think the big thing for the Yankees is that they have to come together as a team right now. Like, you know, the Mets all year, I mean, they've, they've had some pretty bad um, roster, like some rosters. They had a pretty depleted roster for most of the year, but it was just the clubhouse. The energy in the clubhouse didn't change. I feel like the Yankees, they still have time to turn it around. I think what happens in the clubhouse has to, the mojo in there has to, has to change. Agreed. And th- listen, they came back from Thursday. They did lose Friday, but that come from behind win on Saturday almost seemed like it could be a turning point, kind of similar to how Cole's game that two Saturdays ago against Houston was a turning point. And then it just all went to hell because they blew it today. But like you said, I think 
even this year, just looking around the league, I think there's just a lot of inconsistency above the top. And there are maybe teams that are overachieving. I think with the Yankees and the Mets, if you get healthy and you have a good September, honestly, I don't really think as long as they get in, they could do a lot of damage. I think I honestly think this like the year, the way that you're progressing and I'm viewing it. I think it's, it's just going to be who's ever gets hot late. Like I could definitely see a similar scenario to where in 2019 where the Nationals were a wild card team. They just got hot at the right time. You know, they, they didn't play good at all in the first half. Yeah. Like, if we were doing a podcast back then, we would have been, like, writing the Nationals off. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it comes down to them getting healthy. And honestly, both New York teams, I think, can make a run because their talent is probably top five in the league, both rosters. So, yeah, get healthy and just get momentum rolling. And hopefully you can build on those wins and you can limit the lows. I know there's been a lot of lows this year for the Yankees, but I'm hoping. And maybe, maybe we could see a repeat of 2000 when we see a Subway Series. But right now... I can't be too, too optimistic about that. But oh, dude, imagine, on. though, Keep imagine that happens, though. That's, oh, oh, that'd, I couldn't even take I mean, that. I mean, I guarantee you if that happens, we will be at – I'll say we'll – I'll, I'll, I'll keep it I'll keep it to one, but I want to say – I want to say multiple. I mean, that would be great, too, to see, uh, like, the back and forth, obviously, between all of oh. us. And that would just be that'd – be, that'd be an awesome feeling to see a Subway Series where it's, hey, let's just hope, man. Let's get our teams oh, I know. I wouldn't mind that at this point. Get me to the World Series. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Listen, get me into the wild card game. That's all I hope. The Yankees are about three and a half games out, maybe. They have an easy schedule. They have Tampa Bay coming up this week, which will be another huge three games that if we can maybe catch Tampa. And then they play Miami, Baltimore, and Seattle. And Seattle is a team that's actually ahead of them right now. So, I mean, again, I just, I just, I kept saying to you, I was like, oh, these next two weeks coming off the All Star are going to make our break your season, make or break the season. I'm saying this again. I get, like this two-week stretch, the Yankees have to tear it up. They got to. They got to yeah. beat up on teams that they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be a lot better than. And then that Seattle series, they just got to put Seattle away. Like Seattle, you've overachieved so much. Your win probably like their expected wins based on like their runs and stuff like that is just like they are so much better than they like. Their record is so much better than they should be. So I'm not too worried about Seattle. I think it all even out at the end. But a couple of teams in the league did make some moves. I did mention the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll start with them first because I think they probably made the most sizable move, or at least until about 7 o'clock tonight. Nelson Cruz goes to Tampa Bay for two lower-level prospects, two relievers. But for a Tampa Bay roster that we always are like, oh, they'll figure it out on the pitching side because they're nerds and stuff. And, you know, Kevin Cash brings out guys who throw 99 miles an hour. And Pete Fairbanks and Andrew Kittridge come out of nowhere. So we're not worried about the pitching. But the lineup doesn't really have a star. Nelson Cruz slots right into that force hole in the lineup and is an absolute force. And their lineup is actually sneaky good and sneaky deep now. And Cruz is finally like that feared bat. I don't think that they really had that. Hopefully, obviously, they hope Franco becomes that. But their lineup is with Lau. You have a Rosarena, obviously, at the top. Austin Meadows. um, Mike Zanino. I mean, they are a deep lineup. And. If they get Tyler Glass now back, I really think they can make noise in the AL. Yeah, no, I I said it to you when they got Cruz. If they get Glass now back, I think they're going to win the AL. They're deep from – I mean, they're pitching, and now they've, they've had a few injuries, but now like, their line is going to be sick, absolutely sick this year, this rest of the year. Yeah, we said the pit, it comes down to the pitching. I Right now, without Glass now, I don't think they have a starter that, like, I would be conf- – like, that's that would go into a game in a playoff and I'd be like, Oh, they have the advantage on the pitching side of things. Their bullpen has been injured all year. I don't, what's his name? Hasn't played a game yet. Uh, Nick Anderson, who was unbelievable for them down the stretch. Uh, another guy who's pitched well in the bullpen for them, like Kyle McHugh. But again, like 
it's relievers and stuff. They trade Hill. Um, Yarborough's like good, but again, they didn't even start. Uh, did they open with Yarborough? I'm trying to think if they opened with Yarborough last year in uh, game four. Off the top of my head, I can, but again, like Yarborough, no like, like like Yarborough's probably their best starter right now, which I don't like. I don't love from their st- I mean, as a Yankee fan, I love it, but I think they really need to get um. They really need Glass now back, and maybe they make a move on a starting pitcher who's good enough. Uh, Luis Patino, another young kid, but I don't think you can trust Patino again in a playoff game. Uh, McClanahan, another guy that they have a lefty. He's good. He throws hard and stuff, but he, I just don't know if you're trusting these guys in a playoff series. Obviously, in the back end, you have Diego Castillo. You have Pete Fairbanks. You have um, Thompson. He throws real funky, but I, it comes down to these top-end the top starters I would. I think Tampa Bay would, if they don't have Glass now, are very vulnerable in a wild card game. So for them, if you actually, I think they got to push for the division. I ultimately think they will win this division, but I think to, again, there's just a lot of these teams. If you ask me, are one piece away, or maybe like to separate themselves. Like a lot of these teams are just like they, they got to like th- this next week will start to, if you ask me, really weed out some teams. And Tampa Bay, if we get some bad news on Glass now and they don't make a move on a starting pitcher. I don't really love Tampa Bay's chances going deep into the postseason. But now, on the contrary, if I hear, oh, Glass now, maybe he's targeting a September return and they bring back an old friend and, I don't know, maybe Charlie Morton. I don't know if the Braves are ready to sell him. But then I'm like, all right, maybe maybe the Tampa Bay Rays can make some noise. Yeah, no, dude. I I still think they're a pretty feared team. But, yeah, I think they got to gotta get Glass now back or make a move. I guess we'll talk later in the show about what I think the the Rays would do. Cause you know, we can't make an unrealistic move for the Rays. You know, they're not going to give up some crazy prospects and take on a lot of money. So I think they'll be creative. I think they'll try to fill some holes and, and try to solidify themselves to win the AL again. Yeah. I think in a way, like for all these teams in general, I think it's kind of a shame if GMs sit and don't make a move at this deadline, because I've said this, there are probably 10 to 11 teams, if you ask me, that are very on a very close. No team has pulled away this year as a clear favorite. Like we thought the Dodgers were going to look so much better than everybody, and they just haven't. There are so many teams that it, it come, it's going to come down to whoever gets hot at the right moment. So make a move, GMs. That's my message to them. Talk about two other teams that have made a move. I did mention Atlanta possibly selling because we we, we saw Acuna go down, and we are like, oh, obviously Atlanta's going to sell. They're probably out of it. Only five games back in the NL East, and they're still making a run. They did pick up Jock Peterson last week. Now, they've had an all right week, like I said, since then. I don't think – I think they were still five back then, and now they're still five back now. If they if they have a bad couple of days, maybe they reflip Peterson. Maybe they sell on Charlie Morton, but I don't know. I think at this point Atlanta is going to try to ride this one out. Well, here I got you with this one. Um, Atlanta DFA'd Ender Inciarte. And a few years ago, Inciarte was one of their best outfielders with Acuna. Um, and also now this week, they play the Mets five times this week, doubleheader tomorrow and three more games. So realistically, I mean, they could, they could take a really big step and, um, try and take it over the division or the Mets could just put the Braves away and make them sellers by Friday night. So it's a big week for the Braves, I guess more for the Braves than the Mets. Cause I mean, Mets have a five game lead unless, unless the Mets lose five games to the Braves. Which, um, I hope they don't, they definitely could, but, um, it's a big, it's a big week for the Braves at this point. They could, their season can be decided potentially by Tuesday or Wednesday if they lose these next few games to the Mets. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is probably this is their season if you ask me. You go, yeah. you lose four out of five, you're 
their GM's on the phone on Thursday night and Friday morning, and they're selling, if you ask me for sure, because you're at now eight games in the division or potentially 10 games back. But if they could take four out of five, you're talking about a team now that could potentially get back Darno, we've mentioned, uh, Yanoa. Then it's like, all right, maybe let's bring in another piece. A team that is in third place now in the NL West, San Diego, they're seeing a fluttering Dodgers team who can't put away games against the Giants. And they're saying, how can we get better? We're going to bring in another good bat into the order. They picked up Adam Frazier tonight. I think the fit maybe not might not necessarily be perfect because I think Jake Cronenworth and Adam Frazier are very similar players. Cronenworth hits for a little more power than him, but not a ton. But Frazier has another year of control. He's in 324 this year as a war over three, getting on base at a 388 clip. I mean, he's had a little versatility in his career where he's played the outfield. That's where I think he slots best. They said he's, they're going to use him in a super utility role. But I think more more so we'll see him in left field with Cronworth at second, Hosmer at first. But potentially, Frazier could play second and then Cronworth could play first. But I honestly think this is a good move because Adam Frazier is a good ball player. I think you worry about – you necessarily are like, oh, I'm not too worried about a perfect fit. Let me get a real good ball player in again. Yeah, no, dude, I think it was a good deal um, for the Padres. I, they gave up, I think, one top ten prospect. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was, I don't know what the kid, the guy's name was, but also from like a Mets standpoint too, like you realize how much um, was given up for Frazier, which was not a lot for a guy that's batting three, what, 330, uh, starting second baseman in the All-Star game. So, I mean, I think it was good for a lot of buyers um, in the, uh, around this deadline to see that one of the top guys, I guess, didn't go for that much. So, good move for the Padres. I mean, I know you say it's like kind of a tough fit, but you know what? You can fit Frazier wherever you want, man. The guy's a great contact hitter. He's a perfect playoff hitter. I think, especially yeah. every October, like I'll start watching these games and I'll just be like, especially with the Yankees, it's the most prevalent stuff like that. I'm like, certain guys come October are basically neutralized because they only swing for the fences. Adam Frazier is a perfect guy to lead off for the Padres. Now you have Frazier hitting one, Tatis two, Cronworth three, Machado four. I mean, those guys are going to be ready to hit come playoff time. Those are all four very tough outs, guys who can get on base. And, I mean, from Tatis, obviously, probably the best hitter right now in the National League. So, I think Frazier's a good get for San Diego. They still said they want to be active. They want to maybe add another pitcher. But for a team that's in third place, they know that um, they need to not, – not I'm not going to say necessarily like – if they, I don't know if they're going to jump the Dodgers, but if they want if they want a shot on it, they got to make some noise a little bit. So good for San Diego. Uh, team obviously with very high expectations coming into the year. They continue to wheel and deal. I think A.J. Preller is still the general manager over there. He's been real aggressive because he understands that this that they have a window to compete right now. So go after him and good for A.J. Preller for recognizing that. Uh, we'll shift our focus back to the AL. And specifically the AL Central has been an absolute mess over the past week and a half, I'll say, we got name changes. We got Detroit Tigers winning like seven straight games and things like that. But we'll start with probably the most head-scratching story. Tuesday night, I want to say, or Wednesday night, Yerman Mercedes, the guy who tore the cover off the ball in the first month of the year, and he goes on Instagram. He's like, should I retire? And then he's like, yeah, I'm retired. The next day, he's just pulling up to the field. And he's like, all right. He's like, I forget what I said. I'm back. No worries. Then he's going yard the next day. So just a very confusing, like, 24 hours for Chicago White Sox fans and honestly fans of baseball because Yerman Mercedes, I mean, he's not like a star, but, like, he was definitely a guy getting some media attention because he burst onto the scene after being a career minor leaguer. And 
like I said, he hit unbelievable in April. So good for Mercedes to be back in baseball and obviously and hopefully he can get back to the show soon because uh he had a he had, did have a rough may had a rough june but i know the white Sox are getting aloy jimenez back but i would love to see mercedes get back on that roster and potentially help them make a playoff push yeah uh, i'm gonna I'm be a debbie down here i didn't love a mercedes did because like you know yeah it stunk that you know he um he got sent down like when did he get sent down um, I believe he got sent down towards the end of June, maybe like okay. the beginning of July. So yeah. he's been down there for like two weeks or something, three weeks. Yeah. Okay. So Mercedes, like that was a great story. That was sick. The guy was a great hitter, like the first month. But you know what? He was, he was awful at the plate. Um, in May and beginning of June, and that's why I got sent down. So like him pulling that stunt on Instagram, I didn't love it. Um, but I, I did like to see he came back. I mean, if he were retired, I'd been like, like that was just a waste. That was a waste of talent. So it's good to see him come back and hopefully he comes back and starts hitting. But I, I didn't love that on Instagram saying he's retiring the next day, he's showing up um, for the White Sox minor league team. It's just an odd situation, I, honestly. Yeah, I, I think it's just head scratching. I think maybe Mercedes should have uh, taken a deep breath, maybe just talk some things out with some people and just maybe locked his phone for like six or locked himself out of social media for about six hours. All right. And then be like, all right, recover. Like, I'm OK. Maybe it was a little impulsive. Like I said, I don't necessarily love a player being like that impulsive at his point. But at the end of the day, I'm happy he's in baseball. I don't like to mm-hmm. see a guy like that would have been such a like a pretty sad story. If people were always like the Tony LaRusso too blaming him. They're like, oh, LaRusso, you don't stand up for your player. And then this is what happens. Mercedes was struggling before LaRusso didn't back him. I think LaRusso not backing him obviously didn't help him. But Hopefully, like we say, Mercedes can get back and help the White Sox. I said the playoff push. I mean, they're they're going to be in the playoffs. Hopefully, they can help them make a World Series push. But for this year and beyond, and to do that also, the White Sox, for this year, too, they bring in Lance Lynn, obviously, we've talked about. He's been a revelation for them. They brought him in from Texas, and they extended him two more years with a club option for 2024, two years, $38 million. They gave up a pretty good prospect to get him, a Dan Dunning. Was like a top five prospect, I think, in their system. People are like, oh, it's only one year at Lance Lynn. It was sneaky good for the Rangers. But I think it's a great move for them. And hopefully Carlos Rodon is next because between Rodon, Lynn, and now Giolito, obviously, who's been there, they have a real good trio at the top of their rotation. And hopefully they can keep that for years to come. No, I do. I mean, I, I watched Lance Lynn tonight, man. This guy is a this guy's a gamer. He's, you know, he's, he throws like, what, three different fastballs, a four-seam, a cutter, and a sinker. Like, this mm-hmm. guy, he's really turned his career around, man. Um, he left the Yankees and he went to he went to Minnesota Texas. before he went, I went to Texas. Okay. Minnesota before the Yankees, yeah. Okay, so yeah, he went to Texas, had a great and last year was unreal, and then this year he's continuing it. So good for him, man. I mean, the White Sox, man, they just you can't, you can't say enough with the White Sox, man. They're gonna be a great team for the next few years, and this year, man, I mean, I think it'll be them and the Rays fighting now to make the make the world series man those are they just have a great lineup and they have eloy is returning is it eloy come back tomorrow eloy comes right. back monday season debut. returning from returning from the dead you know we <laughs> lost him in april but he's alive now so i mean yeah that's a uh, good for lance lynn definitely good for the white Sox. yeah lance lynn had a two rbi single today too to help his yeah. uh cause they i think they won three one today to avoid being swept by milwaukee that was looking a very good series because you had Milwaukee was throwing. They threw Peralta, Burns, and Woodruff. And then, obviously, as I mentioned, the White Sox are their top three. But what about Carlos Rodon being a free agent this year? I know I'm kind of putting – like, 
Do you think that Rodon gets a lot of money or do you think that teams are skeptical because he's having an unbelievable year? Like, do you think he could get a deal similar to Wheeler where it's like five years for 118 million and they're banking on a, um, like banking on him to even get better? I think a team, like, I'm not going to say like, like the, a team like the Orioles or maybe the Mariners, not like, like that market, but a team that is looking to start winning in the future would definitely overpay for a guy like, um, Rodon. I mean, I think you should. I mean, you know what? One good year. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Some guys, you know, they're one hit wonders, but you got to take a risk once in a while, man. This guy could have five great years after this. He could be a mediocre pitcher again after this. So I don't know. I think, I think we'll get a big deal in like a, in a smaller market team or not as good as a team. Cause I feel like the White Sox will give him a, a decent offer, but if he wants to make a lot of money, he could definitely hit free agency. Yeah, he could definitely cash in. I Listen, I think he found something this year. I mean, he's a former top three pick, I want to say. I think he's out of and NC State. He was a top three pick from out of there 2013, 2015, one of the two years. But I think a team that I'm in just off the top of my head, maybe like a team like the Angels, I, I could see throwing him a lot of money, obviously get hoping to get a frontline starter. But, yeah, I think obviously Chicago would like to keep him. But at least they locked up Lynn, so they have two of the three of Giolito and – uh, Lynn now and hopefully Rodon, but they'll figure it out hopefully. And obviously, if they win a World Series this year, I bet you they have they'll have no problem paying Rodon. But one last thing in the AL Central, I guess maybe the biggest news from years to come, starting in 2022, Brox, the Cleveland Guardians will now be the team in Cleveland. Uh, what do you think about that? What do you think about the name? Terrible, dude. I wanted the Cleveland Spiders. I think the Guardians. The Cleveland Spiders terrible. logo did look did look very cool. Look cool. I don't think Guardians logo. Ugh. I don't I don't love the Guardians logo, but I think they're getting a little too much hate. And I think at the end of the day, too, there were a lot of like, I don't know, I just think the feedback would have been negative anyway. Like everybody would have seen the name and they would have been like, oh, that sucks anyway. It's like kind of like how Washington in the NFL now, I feel like any any name that they're going to be, it's like, oh, like it's not the Redskins. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's not, you know what I mean? I guess like Touch an overreaction. Switch. It always happens. Like name changes are kind of weird in sports, but like. I hope hopefully like people will like it because like honestly like you know the football teams kind of I kind of I kind of don't mind it you know I think most of us don't hate it it's not like the greatest thing but it's kind of it's kind of cool <laughs> to be calling like the football team I don't know we'll see we'll I see what happens the place when they debut it and hopefully one of the guys that they debut it with is probably their star of the team right now Jose Ramirez a guy who's under team control till 2023 because he has two options. But teams have been calling the Indians, and they're like, well, what, what will it take for Jose Ramirez? I think out of all the guys that could potentially be traded, it probably takes the biggest package to get him because he's two and a half years now of affordability, like of affordable uh, contract. I think Jose Ramirez would be a home run acquisition for any team. I think he's a top ball player in the AL. And like, I'm, I, the Yankees would never make a move on him because he's just too much. But like, like, that's the type of guy that if you bring into a team, like, come playoff time to whole rake. And, I mean, that that is a contender's dream to pick up a guy like Jose Ramirez. It'll be a lot. I think Cleveland necessarily doesn't trade him now. I think maybe in the offseason we'll see something, like a package materialized for him. But, wow, would Jose Ramirez be a big fish to get dealt? Dude, I saw something like how, like, the, someone's like, oh, the Mets are get Ramirez. I'm like, the Mets are not making another big trade with the Indians ever again at this point. I hope they don't. Um, no, I mean, Ramirez is a great player, um, and like you can see, like Cleveland man, they're not they're not going to pay their stars. You know, Bauer's gone, Lindor's gone, because they weren't going to pay them. So I think 
I think if you're the Indians, man, I think you got to move on to now because you will get some teams overpay definitely by the deadline. Um, and that'd be a great get for any team that gets them. I feel like a team low key sneaky for Ramirez would be the Giants. Seems like the Giants that, you know, first place team. They can get Ramirez, man. That that middle of the order, that'd be kind of crazy. Yeah, he could play second, he could play third. Yeah. He can play a little bit play like a little bit of outfield in his career as well. I think that obviously with the two years of control onto him, I uh, make that makes him that much more valuable. Also makes his price that much higher. I don't think he ends up getting dealt at this deadline. I think there's too many. I honestly think like the seller's market is a little over flooded. Like it's, it's overflowing with talent. You know what I mean? You got huge names. So I don't think you're going to get necessarily a big enough package to deal him, but uh, we'll move on to some other guys, Brox, who we think that could potentially get traded. I mean, I mentioned Jose Ramirez as a third baseman. I think obviously all eyes are on Chicago right now. And Chris Bryant, he got pulled from the game a couple days ago. I thought that many was getting dealt. It didn't, but like, there's just no way the Cubs could actually hold on to Chris Bryant, like, right? Like, I don't know what they're waiting for, honestly. I mean, I don't know what they're waiting for, for Bryant, for Kimbrell, for Baez, potentially Rizzo. I mean, you know what? Most teams, they don't want to they don't want to buy early. They don't want to see where, like, the market's at. They don't want to set the tone for the market. So I guess the Cubs are going to hold on because they still, you know, they still have this week. And I feel like as it gets closer to the deadline, some teams are more vulnerable to make a – a pretty heavy trade. So I think the Cubs, I mean, yeah, it's getting close, but I feel like you're going to see Bryant go. I think he's like the most likely one to go, which is so weird to say. Um, I think you can see him go and Bias too, which is odd. And obviously Kim Roll, because you guys so high in a great year. Yeah, what's crazy is that if you ask me who I think the Cubs should definitely keep for sure and build around, it's Bryant. I mean, but they've alienated him. And like with all the rumors oh. over the past couple of years about how they're like, oh, like, we're going to get, we're they, are they going to deal him early? Cause they're probably not going to pay him eventually. Then, I mean, Javi Baez, another one who he he came out the other day and he's like, yeah, I want a $200 million like contract with Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Trevor story and Baez going into free agency. I don't know if Baez getting 200 million necessarily over seven, eight years. So I would hold off on paying Baez that number. I would definitely get on the phone and think about trading Baez. I think for sure Kimbrough has to go. I think they would, if they keep Kimbrell, that is brutal, 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 because every single team, it seems like, needs a reliever. Kimbrell's been one of the best relievers in baseball this year. Obviously, his track record's very good as well. Um, you kind of stole my thunder, though, on where I thought Brian would fit well, because you mentioned Ramirez to the Giants. I think a more realistic fit for the Giants, because just because he's cheaper like to go get, I think Chris Bryant would fit very well on the Giants, playing either third base or any of their outfield spots. He could be a bat in the middle of the order. Finally, a guy that maybe teams fear hitting with behind, maybe in front of Posey. I'd probably hit him behind Posey. But um, you know what I mean? Like the Giants have a lot of these scrappy guys, and then they have like veterans like Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt. Bring in like more of a star like Chris Bryant and give the Giants fans something to hope for and kind of a real chance to go win an NL pennant or even even before that, win the division. You know what? I'm not going to lie. I had my sports center on. I saw the Giants. I just, you know, that just sparked it for me. But I'm mm-hmm. no, I I don't mind Brian to the Giants either. Like the same thing. They need, they didn't get another Batman. That'd be crazy. Um, I mean, I, I want Brian on the Mets, obviously, but I can see him in San Francisco. Definitely too. Not, yeah, I could see that. But I keep hearing the rumors about the Mets too, which is cool. But um, the only thing to worry about with the Mets, man, is like, they got some prospects coming up there. They appear pretty soon. A guy like Francisco Alvarez that was linked to Bryant in the winter. But 
that's a catching prospect that if you're a Mets fan, like you don't want to give up those guys, man. You have right now you have Tomas Nito and James McCann as your catchers. This guy can be on your team in in less than a year. So the start of the next season, he can be your starting catcher or at least a backup to McCann. So um, I would like to see Brian on the Mets, depending the price. But the Giants, yeah, I guess they're a decent spot too. Listen, Mets, go for it and make yourself a clear favorite in the NL by adding Chris Bryan to the middle of their order. And if you like how J.D. Davis is playing, you don't have to play Bryan at third. He's not glued to it. He can play either the no. outfield or any of the outfield spots. I don't want to hear so, that. I don't want to hear that. J.D. Davis is a great hitter, but the guy's not a good fielder. <laughs> so I cannot trust him in any sort of huge game. I mean, I'm not going to say playoff game, but a game down the stretch, man. Like, I can see that happen where J.D. Davis makes a bad play at third. Good hitter, but you know what? He can't play every day at third base. We really want to go for it now. Hey, there's poor J.D. Davis. You know what I mean? The guy just rakes, all right? He, he worries about the fielding at the end. Um, another guy of the Cubs, I think that they're probably most likely to keep right now in this situation, Anthony Rizzo, a guy that they were very – they were talking about extensions. I don't know if they're necessarily going to get done. He's a big locker room guy. They're definitely the vocal leader. Uh, I know he's been linked to the Red Sox. And, again, I think if the Red Sox were to bring in Rizzo, their lineup gets that much scarier. But I, I don't know how much the Red Sox need to focus on their lineup as opposed to their starting rotation. I obviously think their first base slot, they like they played doll back there. Today, Franchi Cordero started there. So I definitely think they could use Rizzo. But I'm not necessarily sure if that's what they should prioritize. And, listen, I don't think the Cubs should prioritize moving Rizzo now. They should prioritize moving Rizzo should be the last one to go because I honestly think Rizzo's package is probably like you probably get the le- the, the least for him. So go get go get rid of Bryant, get rid of Baez, get rid of Kimbrough. Not in that order. Get rid of Kimbrough, obviously, if you ask me first. Um, I think a team that should definitely go get Kimbrough are the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, they just Kenley Jansen just blew two saves this past week to the San Francisco Giants. That can't happen down the stretch. Can't happen. Uh, even in the playoffs last year, Dave Roberts did not trust Kenley Jansen to get the last out to the World Series. He went to Julio uh, Urias, who's now mm-hmm. their number two starter with Kershaw and Bauer out. So he's not in the bullpen. They need a lockdown arm. The Dodgers, we've said, are the most talented team on paper, no doubt. They spend money, so they don't care about the luxury tax. Kimbrough's obviously expensive. I think he's got like probably – he's like $16 million he gets paid a year so. Probably like left on his, I don't know, like six, seven million or something like that. But yeah, go get Kimbrell and lock him, lock down the ninth inning. And then obviously you can move Jansen then to the eighth inning and come playoffs. You know what I mean? Like bringing Kenley Jansen in the sixth inning because it's a big situation. Like that's like that, that makes your bullpen that much better being able to go to an arm like earlier in the game, like Jansen. So maybe in a less pressure spot. It's crazy because Jansen's been such a mainstay as the Dodgers closer, but. I don't know. I just don't think they trust him enough. And I think that with how good their team is, they'd be doing it a disservice to not go get a stopper at the end of games. Yeah, no, I, I'll i go with the same thing as Rizzo. I think he's going to go to the, at least if he does leave to the Red Sox, the team that drafted him back in 07, mm-hmm. I think, drafting the sixth round by the Red Sox. I mean, that would make them their lineup that scary already would turn them into like, you know, I guess you can say now almost – at the deadline, like a legit contender, at least for the AL least. Um, for Kimbrel, I think a team that really should need him, if they really want to make a push this year, is the Toronto Blue Jays. So it's a really, a really yep. like shady bullpen. Um, and they get Kimbrel, man, with that lineup, you know, you have there's some decent starters in Ryu, and who's the the Manoa? Like a Manoa, good rookie. Manoa. Um, um, and a guy like Ross Stripling, who's turned his season around. He had a good, good adding thing against the Mets. Um. 
have you know, decent stars. You obviously have a great lineup. And having a guy like Kimbrel in the back end of the bullpen, like that can really solidify at least a wild card spot for a team like the Blue Jays. Yeah, I, I like Kimbrel on the Blue Jays fit too because they are in fourth now too. So I'm not missing, like they're not in like a driver's seat to a playoff position, but Kimbrel does have a, an option for next year. So you can bring him back next year, sign another reliever. And then it's like, all right, like we're finally rounding out this team. They lost Kirby Yates in spring training to Tommy Johnson. They, their bullpen has been brutal. They don't have a set closer. I think. Romano's their closer, so uh, nothing special. I definitely think Kimball would be a good add for that team. Another guy who's been pitching well for them, actually, uh, Robbie Ray. Uh, they got from Arizona last year, so yeah. who knows? And I, I think that – or two years ago, they they brought in Taiwan Walker, too. Taiwan Walker was a good acquisition at the deadline for them last year, so they've had a good history of trading for pitchers at the deadline. Why not make it Kimball this year, too? A um, couple other big names that we'll get to. Byron Buxton, he's a free agent – I think it's either at the end of this year or next year, honestly. I, I always thought it was at the end of this year, but then I, I don't know. I next saw, year. Whatever, okay, next year. Thank you for confirming that. Um, But the Twins can't get an extension with him. So the Twins have been talking to teams, and a team that's been real high on him, the Philadelphia Phillies, who desperately need a center fielder. I think you, Byron Buxton, ultra-talented, never really could get consistent with like his health and stuff like that. He had a great start to the season in uh, April and early May and then just got hurt. But I think you put Buxton at, like, the top of the Phillies order. Uh, it gives himself a great shot to go catch the Mets. Obviously, the Phillies need a bullpen arm more than probably anybody in the MLB. Their bullpen's right there with um, Toronto as being just brutal. But you put Buxton, you go Buxton, like, Real Muto, or Buxton, Segura, Harper, Real Muto. I mean, that is a good, good top four. Yeah, no, um, I was looking today, I mean – Obviously, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, I don't want Bucks on the Phillies. I mean, that would be good for the Phillies, not good for the Mets. But um, they, he couldn't get, um, come to terms with the Twins for a contract extension. But since he's hurt right now, I saw that it's more likely to deal him during the offseason, which is good news, I guess, for the Mets. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, still, um, Bucks ain't going anywhere. If he can stay healthy, man, he can be such a good player. I just want to see him healthy. I mean, on the Phillies, man, I mean, I hope he doesn't do well. But, like, any team just – this guy is so talented. He's so fast. He's so good. So I hope he goes somewhere, gets a nice contract, and and becomes a player he really he could be. Yeah, former number two pick in 2012. Actually, Carlos Correa was the first pick of that draft, but the Astros took Correa because like Buxton's signing bonus was like too much, and Correa was cheaper. Fun fact about that. But yeah, Buxton, the defense has never been the problem with him. He's one of the fastest guys in the MLB. He's an unbelievable defender. Has a great arm, and his hitting finally came around this year. So again, I think. I'd probably lean towards, yeah, the offseason because I think that's just going to be the common theme. Another another guy, too, Joey Gallo. I think Joey Gallo also doesn't get dealt to the deadline. I think it just waits for the offseason. And the biggest thing is that teams are just not – it doesn't look like teams are ponying up their prospects to go get guys. So why – what's the rush to trade those guys who have an extra – like who have all of next year? Just wait till the offseason. Maybe the market develops better for those sellers that they can move some of their bigger names. But that, we'll go, I guess we'll go a couple more guys. Another guy who's got a lot of control that I don't think – I really didn't expect him getting traded. What do you think about Whit Merrifield and the Seattle Mariners? Now, I think the Mariners would be smart to go get a guy with a lot of control. They have a deep farm system. I wonder who would who they'd send. Maybe – um, I mean, I mean, they probably wouldn't deal Kelnick. That other guy, Julio Rodriguez, he's probably untouchable. Maybe, like – I don't know, like, why you would trade Logan Gilbert. He's looked unbelievable this year. I mean, the Yankees, this guy looked like – they made him look like uh, Nolan Ryan. He was unbelievable. They, Name, name your pitcher. I mean, you do like seven shutout innings. 
So yeah, I think Merrifield would be a good fit for them, but I, I don't think that gets done. I, I was like pretty surprised when I saw Merrifield could potentially be dealt. I mean, I think that'd be cool for a team like the Mariners. I mean, you don't. I mean, the Mariners haven't made the playoffs in how many years? Two thousand one, longest like, streak, longest streak. I think say. in uh, well, it is the longest streak in baseball. It's almost one of the longest streaks in all sports. Yeah, no, I mean the Mariners, like their fans, like you know, give them something to cheer about, man. It's like. Even they don't go for it, like getting Merrifield, getting a superstar would be kind of cool. I think though, if you're the Mariners, do not give up with like a decent prospect. Like obviously, you know, he's going to cost a lot, but I think if I'm them, give up a lot of mid-tier prospects because you don't want to deplete the system right now. Like you're still building, but I, I like that's like that's a rumor you'd like to see. Like a team like the Mariners, like like go for it. They get a guy like Merrifield, there's a sick hitter. The guy's a, one of the best hitters in the league, man. Like he's shown it the past few years. So I think that'd be really cool if the Mariners get him. Without giving up Rodriguez or Kelnick. I mean, actually, you know what? Trade Kelnick. Trade Kelnick from Merrifield. <laughs> Do it. Come on. That'd get, I mean, that would get the monkey off the Mets back then. They would never have to worry <laughs> about it. Because then it's like, it wouldn't even be that bad for the Mets because the Mets didn't even trade him. Like, he was a good prospect, obviously, but he was like, he was a top five prospect in baseball now in Seattle. And that's like, you traded him. Like, come on. So, for your case, yeah, you opened up the deal, Kelnick. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, Merrifield's such a good table setter at the top of the order. And that'd be a, another good move with that. Mariners being like, all right, maybe if we get hot, like we can make a push for the wild card this year. But again, this is more of a focus that our windows kind of opening. So our playoff window, let's say, I don't think there were series windows opening, but again, he can make an interesting addition. Uh, two rental guys, Brox, we'll go through next, I guess, because I mean, there are just so many guys that we, we could be here all night talking about guys who are getting traded. Kyle Gibson. I mean, I don't know why the Rangers are waiting. I know he had a bad start against Detroit last week. I don't know if he started since then. But I think he's a no-brainer to get moved. He's an all-star in his first year, free agent at the end of the year. Probably the like, one of the better pitchers to go get at this deadline. Probably aside from Scherzer, maybe the guy that's like who's having the best year. So I don't know what the weight is on Kyle Gibson, but I, I mean, he's got to be gone, right? Oh yeah, I mean I think the Rangers probably have too high of a price right now, but I think he should be gone by Friday. Um, this is a guy you signed who was not great for the Twins. The Twins had high hopes for him, was not great. Signed a two-year deal. It'd be like a I guess end of the rotation starter for um for the Rangers. He's been really good. I mean, even last year was decent. This year's been really good. So I think the Rangers definitely move him. Um, I would say that I brought up before, I think the Rays would be perfect for him. Um, because it's not obviously a top tier talent. It won't cost that much. And also the money's not an issue here. I don't know. I know he has a huge contract, obviously, so that'd be good for the Rays. I would like him on the Mets because he won't cost that much. Um, to give to trade for, uh, I mean honestly, at this point, any team you take Kyle Gibson, you always don't mind like middle rotation starters um, in September and October. So he's definitely a hot commodity right now. Um, not, I'm not doubting that, but I think the Rangers definitely are asking for a little bit too much just because they're trying to sell him on his this big season. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Rangers probably their price is a little too high, and I think teams are looking at like. I'm looking at his stats, honestly, in July, and he's, he's – I mean, he's had a brutal July. There's honestly no way to sugarcoating it. Guy coming into July, Brock's had a 1.98 ERA, um, and he has a 6.26 so far in July. He's, he's lost his last three starts. Uh, three starts ago, he, he had back-to-back starts against the Tigers. Gives up five earned runs and eight earned runs, right? Loses both those. He just pitched this past Saturday, got a loss. I mean, he only gave up two earned runs. Eight walks, though, in six innings. A little worrisome. His ERA is up to 2.87 now. Like I just said, it was it was 1.98 before July. So I guess maybe teams are maybe shying away a, a tiny bit. And 
again, coupled with the Rangers' high asking price, I still think you don't throw his beginning of the year out the window. Like you said, maybe if you trade for him, maybe he's not the number two guy you got. But again, a game three, game four starters, those are valuable in the playoffs. So I still think Kyle Gibson's a good ad for any team. And I think the Rangers obviously have to deal him. And then if Gibson's not the big fish in the rotation, like a starting pitcher, I think it's got to be Max Scherzer. With the Nationals kind of falling out of favor in the NL East, um, do you think that the Nationals end up dealing Scherzer? Because I personally think, I personally don't think they will, but I, I'm, I'm wondering what you think. Well, like a week ago, I thought no, because their GM, Mike Rizzo, was adamant on adding and making sure this team competes. But after getting swept by the Orioles this weekend, I would hope they do. No, like, I mean, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm not really worried about the Nationals right now, but dude, these got swept by the Orioles. I think you got to move them. Like, what is this? this is the last year of his contract, right? This is the last yep. year. So, I mean, you got to move them. You'll get some, this is something's better than nothing. You can still build, you can still sign guys after, um, after Scherzer leaves. I mean, they're not dead because they still have Juan Soto and Trey Turner. I don't know how long you trade Turner for, but you still have Juan Soto. Um, so I think they should definitely move him. I think they will at this point. I have, just because of this weekend though, because you kind of got swept by the by the Orioles. So I agree. I definitely think that Scherzer should be on the way out. I think a couple interesting spots for him would be. I mean, Pike. If you, I would love Scherzer on the Yankees. I mean, you have Cole Scherzer one two in a rotation in a playoff series. That is just unbelievable. Uh, very probably the probably the best one two punch then in the league. The Dodgers, another team that's underachieving that could you I mean they can absorb the money too. I don't I don't know if the Yankees would necessarily want to go over the luxury tax for them, but the Dodgers don't care. And I mean the, why not bring another star to Hollywood? But more like a, a Houston, I don't think would be a bad spot. I think Scherzer would reject the trade to go to Houston. I don't think he'd want to pitch for him. He could reunite with his old buddy Justin Verlander. They used to be teammates in Detroit. But I think I don't think that'd be a bad idea. Houston doesn't really have like, I mean, they have Granky, but he's like kind of like more on the decline, but they definitely need another starter come playoff time. So I think that'd be a good fit for him. But uh, I'll wrap it up with one last guy, unless you have anybody else. Trevor Story, I think he's the most likely guy to get traded. Um, there's been a lot of reports. There's been also some reports that maybe a team wanted to play him in center field, which I think is kind of crazy. I mean, I think he's athletic enough for it, but he's a go glove shortstop. He met shortstop. The Yankees, I personally don't think, that's where he ends up. I think that it's just not a great fit, especially because he's a rental and it's not like from this. I think, listen, I think he'd work on the Yankees cause he's good enough, but I don't think that's what, like, I, I don't know. I just don't think that he's not worth the price for the Yankees, but I definitely think he's on the go since I don't have an idea of where he could possibly be going. Then what do you think? Um, which story? I honestly don't have any idea. I mean, like I've heard like being linked to the Mets and Yankees, but I don't know where else he would fit. I mean, obviously a lot of teams can use a, Good shorts, not like story, but I, I don't know. Honestly, I'll go back. I'll circle back the shirts though quickly before I go back to story. Um, mm-hmm. As soon as we hopped on the podcast, I saw something that the Mets are going to check in on shirts. But I mean, there's no way you trade in division that that um, type of player. You're not trading your best pitcher. The Nationals are not going to gift the Mets shirts. So I saw that, but I thought that was kind of stupid. Um, story, I mean, story could go. I think he's going to go um, east. I mean, I feel like the Rockies don't want to. Trade in division to like the Giants or the um, or the Dodgers, that'd be kind of tough for them to to just you know and the richest get richer. So I mean I think I think the Mets or Yankees are probably the one of the the top spots for Story. I think the Yankees could definitely use them. Move Glaber to second. Um, the Mets could definitely use them because they have no one to play shortstop right now for an injured Lindor. So 
I don't know where he'd go, but I think definitely New York's a top spot for him. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely fair to assume. Um, I know the Mariners have also checked in on him. That'd be an interesting one. But I, again, I don't think the Mariners should go get a one-year rental guy. I don't think it's worth the price or what it would go get him. But it would definitely probably like jolt the playoff push. I did see two story like the Padres were in talks of going after story, but the Rockies didn't really want to like wouldn't really probably want to deal him in division like you just said. But one of the biggest fish out there, obviously Trevor Story is a star in the like I mean he is a star. He's an established star. I'll be a free agent. I don't know. I know a lot of people were saying that maybe we go back to Texas. That's where he's from. So like he signed a big deal with the Rangers, which I think would be a good deal in the off season. But hopefully he can help a team down the stretch um win a world series but yeah i'm i'm honestly kind of lost on story i'm seeing six to eight teams are in on story and i don't know it's not it's not that story like isn't obviously like a good like i just don't see any team of him being like a perfect fit there and obviously what he's going to command like prospect capital wise i just don't know if there's a team that's out there that i'm just like yeah that makes sense for them to pay the price for story but he'll be gone and i'm definitely looking forward to seeing how like I just didn't see it. Like, you know what I mean? I can't wait to see you get trade to like a team. Like, I don't know, like Oakland or something like that. Even that'd be like, Oh, like, why didn't I think of Oakland even more? Like that, that makes sense. Like rental or something like that. But who knows? Uh, one thing I'll last wrap up on Brox. I did hear Buster only say that the Mets would probably are probably going to end up with one of Chris Bryant, uh, Baez or story. Uh, we'll leave off on this. How, how is that? How, is that going to help you sleep at night? Nah, dude, the trade deadline gets me jittery, so no. That's not going to help me sleep till I see that the trade's confirmed, man. From past years of the trade deadline, I, I don't know. That's great. Thanks for reporting that, but I'm, I'm not going to be satisfied till I see saying official the Mets acquire whoever. So I don't know, but the next time we hop on, though, there's going to be a lot to talk about. We know that. For sure. We'll probably be on here. I mean, the trade deadline ends Friday. And remember, this year, there's none of that August waiver wire trade. So it's a firm deadline. Nobody's getting moved after Friday at 4 p.m. So we'll be on here. Probably, we'll, probably won't record on Saturday or something. So we'll probably get on here early, like next weekend, and have an episode out reacting to the trades. And there should definitely be a lot of them. But, yeah, that's going to be it for today. Definitely had a lot to run through. And we love trade season. Hopefully there's no situation like the Carlos Gomez trade to the Mets a couple of years uh-huh. ago. We don't want to see anybody uh, – <laughs> Again, too emotional on the on the field. I know Wilmer Flores, that was a tough situation for him. Hopefully everybody stays healthy. We don't have to worry about anybody going down and then them not getting traded. But, yeah, we got two months basically now about the regular season. We're starting to see teams separate from each other. And especially this week, this trade deadline, it's so critical for these some of these teams to separate themselves even more from the pack. Go make a move. Go win a World Series this year. It's go big or go home in the MLB rings last forever you know what i mean it, it might be tough to swallow on a, like a prospect that turns out to be a good ball player but even though the cubs gave up glaber Torres a couple years ago they're still making that deal 10 out of 10 times to win the world series i stand by that so go make a move gm that's my message to you that's gonna do it for today take care everybody have a good one